0: Welcome back to the Zert Coffee and Chaos podcast, a show where we talk about anything and everything relating to what it means to be a prepared individual and a survivalist in today's day and age. Back on the show with me today, my co-host, Jamie Franks, the Senior Chief. Jamie, welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you. Good to see you.
0: Good to see you as well. can hear you.
1: For those of us, for those that are not seeing us, but.
0: right, seeing and hearing. Um, I do Which have a today
1: brought a lot of visual aids, so um, this one might be one that you. I don't know. We'll see how it goes, but maybe worth watching it on on the YouTube stream if you're just listening to us on audio. Okay, great,
0: great. Uh, I did not mm-hmm. bring the visual aids, but I'm glad that you did bring the visual aids. Um, and and we'll get into what we're going to talk about today. I, you know, obviously, it's uh, when we discussed what we were going to talk about this week last week we had a whole different topic of conversation um and then uh you know love it hate it whatever it's entertainment the video on popped up on tiktok for this outdoor channel up in alaska and what's interesting about it is it's alaska right i think alaska is 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 definitely on my bucket list where i want to go
1: um yep me too it, it,
0: like i want to spend but like i want to go there and spend a fair amount of time. Like, I would really like to go spend a month up there. It's so far out. Like, you can't just do it for a weekend, right? I mean, and a week feels like it's going to be too short anyway. And I, when I say so far out, I mean, coming from the East Coast to Alaska may be a little bit more daunting than from California to Alaska.
1: Yeah. I can't remember if I mentioned this or not on when we did the overlanding, uh, overland, you know, emergency vehicle <clears throat> episode, but. It has always been one of my goals or one of my, like you said, bucket list things. I've always wanted to drive my truck and trailer all the way up the west coast of the United States, clip that little corner of Canada and like drive into Alaska and go all the way to um, Denali uh, National Park and then back. Um, but I might would have done it by now. But the fact that I do, you do have to go through Canada for a little bit, which uh, limits one's ability to legally possess firearms. Like that's kind of an issue right. since. uh I'm me and, and especially going into, you know, some pretty extreme wilderness and also probably going through some slightly sketchy uh, urban areas, you know, along that route as well. Um, That has been a little bit prohibitive, but that's been one of my bucket list things to do as well. And, and, exactly like you just said i wanted to do it that way so i could be on my own timeline not buying plane tickets i can stay for as long as i want or cut it as short as i want or whatever but um i know other friends that have done similar trips with that and it just it looks awesome but i i to this point i have been i have a i'm looking at my little map i have on the wall over there i've been to uh, uh i've been to most states in the united states but i have never stepped foot in Alaska, at all? Yeah,
0: I have not either. Uh, I mean, and mm-hmm. one of uh, one of our members, and and was the uh, was the POC in Texas, and now is POC up in Alaska. Um, she just moved back to Alaska. Um, her and her kids and her husband. Her husband's actually stationed down by you right now, um, but uh, she loves Alaska and lived there, mm-hmm. left, and then obviously moved back. Um, so. So today's episode, we're going to kind of get into, uh, and it's based off of of, a video and a YouTube channel, and we'll get into it a little bit more, but kind of like that um, Survivor situation or Alone, both those TV shows, obviously, you know, Survivor, I think you're allowed three items, two items, I don't know, Alone, you're allowed to pack a whole lot more. Uh, So on today's episode, we want to kind of discuss five things you can bring for a two-day camp um you know in in the wild in the wilderness if you will um and the reason i this kind of came up uh was because of this that video clip that i sent you uh yep. you, you, you i'm sure you watched it right yep okay so but setting the stage for what we're about to talk about um the two things and both of those people that i'm about or the one with the outdoor channel or the Outdoor Boys, whatever it's called, um, and then there was another one, and it kind of goes back to what I was talking about on that overlanding thing where we're talking about adventure bikes. Yep. I watched a video where a, it was a female, and it was a group of them—a female and, and a bunch of other riders—were riding from Texas on their adventure bikes to Alaska, and they mm. were. The, I mean, it was they were doing it over an extended period of time. Yep. That is another one. I mean, I would love to do that. That's a challenge. Now, coming from That would guys,
1: seem very seasonal to, to me. Uh, I think you would e- have to time that one a certain way. I
0: mean, y- yes and no. You know, the these adventure bikes are, you know, they're not your road bikes, but they are obviously they're- Sure, you have to worry about road conditions, 100%. Um, but yes, you would probably do that more, you know, end of summer into fall type situation. You're not doing that in the dead of winter. Um, but you know, you, you talk about being a a minimalist, (laughs) there you go. Uh, but going back to this, this channel on YouTube, this guy, uh, Mm -hmm. I first saw him on TikTok and his videos, um, were interesting. They were, they were shorts, right. And then I found his YouTube channel and it's, um, his name is Luke. And I think it's the, it's the, he's the Outdoor Boys YouTube channel, right? Like, is that what it is? Just let me make sure that I'm saying the right thing here. Um, his channel is the Outdoor Boys, yes. So it's the Outdoor Boys on YouTube. If you want to see some cool stuff, check them out. Um, he's got some wild videos, and he's done some wild camps, um, hikes and
1: camps. So, yeah, I mean, and as a person that, like, I've I've been camping, like, literally my entire life, I mean, I can think back to, like, <laughs> I want to say it was, like, my fifth or sixth birthday, uh, my dad, God bless him, like, took, he's still alive, I don't mean it, God bless him in right. that way, just, like, God bless right. his patients or whatever, but, yeah. uh, like, he took me and, like, a whole bunch of other, like, five and six-year-old boys that I was friends with and, like, took us all out camping, and I mean um and then you know i've i've told stories just from the and i relate it to a parenting aspect because today it seems like most parents are like what you know what they call helicopter parents but um when i was in it's this i was my daughter's age so my daughter's in sixth grade when i was in sixth grade and seventh grade um and i grew up in the middle of nowhere and um with no prior planning at all like my friends and i at school it'd be like a friday and we'd be on the school bus and we'd be like, hey, let's go camping this weekend. And so we would all like my friend Silas would get off the bus first. And then like, you know, a couple miles up the road, then I would get off the bus. And then a couple miles up the road, my friend Brian would get off the bus. And then we would all just like run home. And since i like, my house was in the middle. Of course, my driveway is about a half mile long. I, like my dad, like you can barely see my dad's house from the road. That's the house right. I grew up in. But um, we'd all run home and we would like seriously just like leave a note like to our parents, like (laughs) gone camping, be back Sunday and leave it on the counter. And we would grab our camping gear and throw some ramen noodles in a, in a cooking pot in our backpack. And then everybody would meet at my house. And then we would just trek off into the woods. Um, and even we didn't know where we were going. We would just trek off into the woods until we found a good spot. And then we'd put up our little boy scout tents and we would camp Friday night and Saturday night and come home Sunday morning. And like, like I said, we didn't even know where we were going, so that was not part of the note that we would leave our parents. Right. Uh, we would just come home on Friday, decide on the school bus that we were going camping, go camping, and then come back. and And guess what? It wasn't a problem. Like no, we well. we we never had a problem. And so, I mean, I've been camping in one form or another. I was a Cub Scout and a Boy Scout, um, and then you know all the way up through high school and when I joined the military, you know, just camping recreationally since then. And I promise I'm going somewhere with this discussion, but (laughs) like I've kind of, I've discussed uh, what I call the diamond of firearm ownership before, you know, where at the top, the top narrow part of the diamond is when you buy your first gun and then you buy two more. And then when you get to the middle part of the diamond is when you're like buying every gun you can get your hands on. And then when you get to the bottom part of the diamond, you're selling off all your crap, you're selling off five crappy guns to buy one good one. So by the time you get to the bottom of the diamond of gun ownership, you only have a few guns, but they're all really good and really thought out and really well set up. And and I found through my camping journey that started as really when I was a small child, all the way through being a teenager into adulthood. And now, you know, now I'm, I'm in my mid forties. Um, Welcome. I, I'm kind of finding myself in that it's kind of in that same diamond, but with camping gear, like in my early twenties, my friends and I, we did, uh, I, disclaimer i never did the entire pacific crest trail so when i when i say i did the pacific crest trail like don't don't stolen valor me like i we would just do um section like just small like one or two day sections of the pacific crest trail at the time i wasn't going full reese witherspoon but um we did the super duper minimalist you know that if you if you read books or whatever they call it fast and light camping so like every single thing weighed out to the you know down to the right. ounce and taking absolutely nothing you don't need and your backpack made out of the absolute lightest material and like when you read books about this stuff it's funny because they kind of uh they actually like make fun of people that sleep in tents they're like all oh, those stupid tent people and oh like, yeah well <laughs> i mean well it,
0: you know it's it's funny so uh, go ahead get get to to where you well, were so going I, and then so we'll anyway so in
1: my 20s it. i was doing that with like you know Nothing wasted, absolute lightest weight, everything we could get, not taking anything we didn't absolutely need to the point where we were taking big maps and just like taking scissors and cutting out just the little section of the map that we needed because taking this whole big map, you know, that might weigh an extra ounce or whatever. But I went from that into like overlanding, like we talked about, where I literally because I have a truck and a trailer, I can, within reason, I can bring anything I want. Like, the right. joke is, like, everything but the kitchen sink. But the truth right. is, I you could bring, bring a freaking kitchen. kitchen sink if exactly. I wanted to. And so, and, ev- and like, so now I've even gone from that, like, and I've kind of gone back down to this, like, quasi-minimalist, uh, but but still, like, with a dip and a toe into the overlanding. Like, it's, I, I, I camp now with most of the time. I camp now with a little bit more than I can carry on my back or that I would want to carry on my back. But now I've gone from like truck and trailer loaded with gear, like down to like everything fits in this little plastic box. And I have two, these two little plastic boxes. One is all just like miscellaneous camp stuff for lack of a better word. And then the other one is, is all camp kitchen stuff, but it fits in these two little plastic boxes. And I found that like, Actually, and a lot of times, kind of to the point of this episode, even those two little plastic boxes is really more than I need because every trip I go on, right? That's, there's I, there's something in those boxes that I don't even touch. Exactly. You know, so,
0: so and and my experience, obviously, yep. Same type of thing. You know, did some camping growing up. Um, started doing a little bit more of it lately and it's been, you know, it's, it's that what they're calling car camping, right? I mean, you load up the truck with everything that you're going to bring and you, and you, and you go to a campsite, um, yeah. I've I've wanted to take that a, a step further, and I'm actually I'm supposed to do that this weekend. I'm actually supposed to meet Paul Taylor, uh, in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, um, on a moto camp. So we're both loading up the motorcycles, which obviously there's no loading up the motorcycle. It's you're loading up a pack, and <laughs> mm-hmm. that's that. Um,
1: well, I, I'm so motivated, also, that any camp I go to is a moto camp.
0: No, you are totally motoed out but um you know so f- to, to prepare for this camp f- this coming weekend and i say uh, potentially because now looking at the weather there is some weather coming in do i mind camping in the rain not so much do i want to ride three and a half hours in the rain definitely not like i like i don't want to ride three and a half hours in the rain set up camp in the rain and then camp in the rain. And then, like it's just
1: all rain at that point. So, so like, one. So one of my deployments, uh, I've done two deployments to South America, but um, the the most recent one, it, and I and I think it comes from people's inexperience or just the way people's mind works or whatever. Uh, when we were doing our our loadouts, like going on this deployment to South America, out of everybody in my little unit. I was the only one that brought my rain pants. Everybody, everybody brought rain jacket. I was the only one that brought rain pants. And so uh, when we got down there in the jungles of Central America and we were in those like just torrential downpours, I was dry from head to toe. Everybody else was dry from head to wiener (laughs) and they were soaked (laughs) from the waist down. Yeah. And just that little bit of difference of just me being the, I was literally the only one that brought my rain pants. So I was completely dry and I was okay. I mean, the fact that all your stuff gets wet and everything's a little bit of a pain in the butt or whatever, but like just the fact that I was completely dry, I was okay. And everybody else was miserable. Yeah. Just, you know, so, 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 you know, go
0: going from the, the car camp situation, which I, I can relate to what you're saying. Like I have, I have a tent that I use for car camping. That is not the, not the tent that I'm planning on using this coming weekend. Do I want to get to a point where there is no tent involved and it's either a hammock or, you know, um, and we'll get into what this guy uses for, for bedding going in in a little bit. But, um, I have the same thing. I have a, I have the, a large square Pelican that has all of that gear in there. Mm -hmm. Um, which is, it's very convenient when you are just pulling up to your site and then you can just go back and forth to the truck yeah. and get everything set up. To your point, I open that case and there's things that I do not take out of there. Um, you know, when we go for those weekend camp trips, you know, whoever I'm going with, if you know, if it's a couple of guys, or it's, a, you know, um, my friend Jamie and her son or whatever the case may be, you know, we set the campsite up to, to be like a little, like a little fun time, you know, like I'll run... <laughs> I'll run a hundred feet of, of rope, you know, crisscross across the thing and we'll hang the light, the lanterns off of it. So the campsite is lit up. And, you know, like we go to, like we go to town, I bring a a little grill and and we cook. And, you know, even when I would go with my buddy, Andy, like we ate like champs, like Kings, like bringing a giant Otterbox cooler loaded with pork tenderloins. And we did chicken breasts, like, but that's not, You know, whether whether the people that are hiking with the lightest weight packs on their back and eating ramen noodles or, you know, whatever, they may look at it at a different as maybe not as, you know, hardcore camping, but it's still a form of camping.
1: And I'll tell you, like, you know, just just a mere few minutes ago, you and I were both cursing modern technology, but um, (laughs) yes. You really and I I don't think this is much of an exaggeration like technology has gone like helped us so far. I mean, even like just even if you were specifically referencing camping gear and we specifically reference like the last 20 or 25 years. I mean, there's been so many advances just made in like basic technology just for an example of that is like LED lights. I mean, like LED lights have come so far in such a in such a short period of time um, that it's made a huge difference in the camping gear space you know like and you look at um a good example because we like to talk about movies sometimes like at the beginning of indiana jones and the last crusade it starts out when indiana jones is a teenager and his boy scout troop is like camping out in the desert of new mexico or wherever it says it is and like back then i actually know a guy growing up i knew a guy that had been a boy scout during that same period of time like in the 1920s and he still had his uh boy scout box and i I actually think he gave it to me and i actually think it's still in my dad's barn but that's a whole different thing but it's this big wooden footlocker box right and it has and all the stuff that's in it is really cool and it's this like super old school lantern and this super old school cook uh set and and like the tent is made out of this really heavy canvas and it has these you know with these big ropes and all this stuff and it's like everything that's in that box i mean that box is like the size of my dining room table almost you right. know and like everything that's in that box i could probably i could fit the modern equivalent of that into a relatively small backpack you yeah. know so um just just insofar as advances in technology we have we've become able to to basically fit equivalent stuff into a smaller package um uh, which helps when you're when you're talking about stuff like this but uh one of the things you said Every time I go camping now, it's like I, I kind of leave my camping gear kind of set up where, like, if you told me right now we were going camping, I could probably be ready to go in less than half an hour. Um, it would just be a matter of uh clothes for me, packing, right. well, packing food, like, you know, grabbing some food out of the cabinets, out of the freezer or whatever. And, yep, getting my clothing squared away and then putting everything in the in the car or the truck and I could be ready to go because for the most part, everything stays set up. But every time I go camping, if I go if I go two or three camping trips and I know this thing in my little camp box that I call it, if I haven't touched this thing, it's coming out. comes out, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, because I'm, I, I always like to look for a better way and look for a better mousetrap. And, and so, uh, and,
0: and so I have two, uh, like I have two Kelty packs and one I think is a, is a 55 liter. And then I think one is like a 75 liter. Um, and for for this coming weekend I'm I have a uh, it's also kelty it's a two man tent um the the sleeping bag I have so I fit everything into the smaller bag and what I mean by everything is bag tent um sleeping pad a little cot a little chair cookware tent poles, all of that fit in the back. Mm-hmm. And then the only other thing I needed to add was clothing and then some food. And we are, you know, I am bringing some of the, uh, like the ReadyWise meals that we sell through Zert. Um, I have some of those I'm going to bring, I'm bringing some mountain house ones. Uh, and, and, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'll bring some of those meals, but we're also going to be like, we're going to go for a ride allegedly, if the weather holds out. So we may get lunch while we're out there. You know, We could stop and get something and cook it on in the pan on a fire. But either way, I fit all that. And then I was like, okay, the only thing I have to do now is clothes. So I was going to get another bag and put clothes in it. I'm like, well, no, uh, just go to the larger bag, and you'll fit the clothes and everything. So I'm down to just one bag ready to go. Um, would I carry that large bag on a hike-through? I I don't know. I mean it's pretty heavy even though it's one with the, you know, the 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 internal frame there or whatever, but um still it's it's still it's still very heavy. And when you get to that whole thing, you know, ounces equal pounds, pounds equal pain, and especially hiking in terrain, you know, that's a problem.
1: So one of the things that that I really um can have come to embrace um in recent years is um can't remember when I was first introduced to it. Maybe it was during that phase where I was doing the little sections of the Pacific Rest Trail um, and doing all the fast and light stuff. But in 2016, I went to Peru for three weeks and uh, just did this backpacking hiking trip all through the Andes Mountains in Peru. And, you know, we did the Inca, the entire Inca trek to Machu Picchu and all that stuff. But we also we did this hike to uh, Rainbow Mountain and this hike to the Salcente Glacier, which that, you know, that was way more difficult than Machu Picchu, but, um, if you just like, I've embraced this concept of just having one layered outfit. Um, so basically you're only wearing one set of clothes that you can transform this one set of clothes into whatever you need it to be. Like I can, I can take it all the way down to basically where I'm just wearing shorts and a shirt and then I can build it all the way back up to protect me from cold and rain. But really it's only, it's one layered set of clothes. And so, um, like, I think I've sent you the picture before of what I took to Peru and it all fit into like what we would, what most people would call like a three day pack. But, uh, for three weeks, I really only had, it's kind of like, uh, like Bruce Willis in the sixth sense. like, uh, I just had, had one pair of clothes that I could just configure differently for whatever the weather or the altitude or whatever was. And it worked out beautifully. The only, the only real concern was I had to, I had to buy this stuff from REI and, uh, I have this pair of pants that I love and they're good for they're good for like everything except being wet and so I bought this stuff from um REI and you put it you put these you know we, well, you, you take whatever you want but I I put my pants in the washing machine and like dump this stuff in there and then it made the pants waterproof as well so then like I was good to go yeah um so uh you know I anybody that's listening you know definitely look into that uh like a I, And now I know where I got it from, because in the Navy, I was issued this seven layer. They call it the seven layer system. And uh, it's it's basically one pair of clothes that can you can layer it up or layer it down to either being in the hot jungle or in the freaking Arctic. But you just layer it up and down. But I just anyway, I did a civilian equivalent of that. And it it served me very, very well for three weeks in Peru. And if I was going to do a similar trip, I would do the exact same thing again.
0: And I and I think it's very obviously it's very dependent on. Where you're going what the what the climate is at that time, like if you know you're camping in northern Maine in December, Woo. yeah i don't I've I I actually done that I, and don't, I I don't think we need shorts, but you know <laughs> yeah you know, obviously be smart about it, going and kind of bringing this all full circle to today's episode and and kind of the topic of it. the video that that is in question here is. He was going out to do a winter camp, um, how to survive. I think it was the the initial topic, I think, was how to survive. Let me see if I can. I think it's in the text that I sent you. Um, Yeah, how not to freeze to death, winter survival, camping, and bushcraft. Um, And what's interesting about it is he starts the video with a wool blanket. And in the wool blanket, he puts his cooking pot which in in i'm sure inside of it has his stove um his saw um his his ferro rod and was there much else in there i don't think there was much else in there uh, the,
1: like the little the little uh, like i call it a canteen cup or the little like the little pot
0: yeah the the pot but, which probably had yeah. some of more of his cooking stuff in it the saw
1: yeah which the saw I, I did when he first threw it down. I didn't even realize what it was until a couple minutes later in the video when he folded it out. But yeah, when
0: he unfolded it, yeah. And yep. so and 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 there there may have been a couple other things that were in that,
1: that was wool like a big blanket steak or something. But yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he
0: had a big steak. Um, and we'll so that's I want the, yeah. what's interesting about that is 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 how he ate. Um, so and then he folds up the blanket, roll folds it up, rolls it up. Ties a little piece of cordage on it and slings that over his back and then walks into the snow. And it wasn't like it snowed in your backyard and you had, you know, a foot and a half. Dude was in I shin deep, waist deep. I don't know. I mean, at yeah, one point.
1: What, like the the place where he stops and decides to, like, set up his little camp spot, it was waist deep snow.
0: Yeah. Waist deep snow. So. Yeah. Walks in. Now, mind you, clothing-wise, he's doing exactly what you just said. He had layers on. He had mm-hmm. something underneath. He had like a wool sweater, a jacket. You know, he had his knife, so he did have a knife, but it wasn't in his bag. He carried that on him. Um, and then, by the way, the whole time he's filming this, he's he's doing his, his deal, whatever you want to call it, vlogging. Uh, um, And so he stops in a spot. And he says, "Okay, well, I'm going to we're gonna camp here." so he clears out again, there was no shovel in his in his first little showing of what he brought, so he starts yep. clearing the snow with his hands, and he gets down to basically ground um and then and, you know at some point, obviously he takes out his wool blanket unfolds it and he brings out his saw and he just starts going to town and cutting down firewood. And obviously he's done this before. So he knows what he's looking for when it comes to firewood. And I think he found some um, birch and it was dried that dried flake of that birch, which is great tinder. Um, And so, you know, it's like a time-lapse, but he's just throwing all of these pieces of trees into this area that he cleared out. And basically what he said is, you know, I'm going to use the fire to dry the ground because he... Oh, that was the other thing. He brought a uh, a sleeping pad. No, he did not mm-hmm. bring... Did he bring a sleeping no, pad?
1: No, he didn't. Not the one I... He didn't have a sleeping pad. No, that's one, right. So. He
0: did not bring a sleeping pad. Um, so he was like, you know, I got to clear this ground and hopefully it's dry enough where I can sleep on the ground. So makes this giant fire, clears this entire area with the fire and creates, like you said, a waist deep cave, I guess, <laughs> open top cave. Um, but as he's doing it, he's, you know, the ground is just becoming wet. So, you know, he's got to figure out how to make
1: a bedding. He's like, because sleeping on the mud not going to work long story short he uses yeah so that that's a good point though he uh he did he took a couple of minutes to talk about like once you he he did all this work to like hollow out this like hole in the ground he said you know he says it's about the size of a queen mattress and uh and and yeah it's like waist deep so i mean three three to four foot deep depending on how tall he is and uh he gets down to the ground and he's like at this point you need to assess the ground composition because if it's if you have dug down to like a frozen puddle that's that's no good you no need good. to move if it's frozen mud you need to move because it's going to become unfrozen and you're going to be sleeping in mud that's no good he said it needs to be like kind of coarse uh soil that'll drain water and right. then like if there's like a layer uh, like uh in his case there was like uh like some pine boughs or something that had been you know that had fallen to the ground before it snowed and so it, like Um, it was really ideal, but he points out, like, if you put in all this work and you clear out all this snow and you get down to the ground and you find you have landed on frozen mud, he's like, you got to move. Got to move, right. So, and, and, you know, and and what he
0: realized, even though it was draining, he was still going to figure out another way and he kind of assessed right then and there that, okay, he was going to make a platform to sleep on.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: All he's got is a saw. And he even said it in the video. He was like, you know, if I tried to, Clean these poles he was making probably I think he's taller, I think he's over six feet. I think it was like he's like, I think he's like six foot two six foot four right around that area. so he's you know cutting these giant poles from these trees that he's got, and he was like, I'm not going to try and clear these up with my knife. it'll take too long literally throws it in there with all this brush. Fire does the job for him so he 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 makes a bed over basically well he, j- he makes a bed with these with these poles and that's what he's going to sleep on the other key takeaway here is he didn't have a sleeping bag he didn't have a tent he was sleeping in the clothing that he wore that layered system and he had a wool blanket which is i think yep. a huge takeaway here like if you're going to try any of this don't bring something synthetic no can't like wool blanket is the is the way to go here um and what I thought was pretty awesome was that kind of that little hack that he threw out there. Like he was like, if you're, you know, if I don't know how he got to it, but basically what he did is he moved his bedding over. He moved the fire and then moved his his platform over the hot coals, which obviously you know adds some warmth to the situation. But yeah, he um, it it was pretty impressive the way that he cleared that area out, and moved the fire from one side to the other, made a bed of
1: coals. So, like, one thing that you just brought, like, so a minute ago, we talked about how modern technology can be helpful right. in, you know, making, you know, making modern camping gear smaller and lighter and, uh, you know, can even perform better than, than stuff that, you, you know, because, like, using something basic like a lantern, you can have something way, way smaller now that's way brighter, that'll burn for, you know, that it will illuminate for longer than oh, right. like, you know, this old school lantern that was the size of my head, you know, back in the day. But um, one of the things you just brought up, the wool blanket. So, you know, being in the Navy, I became very very familiar with wool blankets at a young age, but like wool is legit. And like, that's, that's a good example of something where like the old way is kind of still the best way. Cause like even in search and rescue in the Navy, Part of our SAR kit as a rescue swimmer is, is a wool blanket. Like military issue wool blanket because yeah. even when, so wool blanket, it's, it's fibrous. It's not, oops, it's not the same as cotton, even though like a lot of people, you know, it, it, to your fingers, it feels similar to cotton, but wool is waterproof. Yeah. Um, like you can, you can use a wool blanket as a, as a tarp if you needed to, because the, the water will hit it or land on it, whatever, it's raining and the water will kind of soak into it but but it'll shed water and what I mean is like the water won't leak through the water will still run down through the fibers and it'll only drip at whatever at like the lower edges uh the water won't drip through it um wind doesn't penetrate wool um so even if it's even if it's wet it will still keep you warm where like cotton the the people outdoors people call cotton the death fiber right because cotton absorbs water holds the water and wind can go through cotton. So if you if you're wearing cotton and it gets wet, you're going to freeze to death uh, even in a, in a warm environment. That's right. That's one of those contrary to popular belief things, even if it's yeah. very warm outside, if you're wet, um, you can still get hypothermia if you're wearing cotton. But uh, but like wool pants, wool blankets like like I have this I've got this pair of wool pants and and it they're like they're like kind of a not an army green, like a forest green color. Um, They look like something a park ranger would have worn in 1937, but they're freaking awesome. And then, and I use, I use those military issue wool blankets or anything. So long story short, like that's an example of one of those, of one thing that like technology hasn't really helped. Like you can't go wrong with a good wool blanket or wool clothing. I wrote down a couple of other things from that video that. One last thing
0: about that wool blanket. It's also flame retardant.
1: Yeah, that's, so, you're hundred percent. I didn't even think of that. You're right. Yeah, so, so in, and, a search and rescue environment. We don't deal with fire, too right? Much. But, but the whole point of that,
0: and just to, the reason why I brought that up, and then and then you know, pick back up where you're about to leave off, is yep. when he moved his platform over the hot coals. He put his wool blanket down on the on the, you know, on the 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 uh, the logs, and so immediately somebody thinking about that is like, well, yeah, but then the the, the it's going to catch on fire and he's going to be a hot burrito, uh, you know, no. So that was one of the things, obviously one of the benefits of going old school over new school here. Like you couldn't have done that with a cotton blanket or, or yeah. even one of those synthetic down
1: things. Cause it would have,
0: it would have melted. So. Yep.
1: Yeah, and, and like, j- but just to be fair, um, the, the one major downfall of like carrying a wool blanket into a survival situation like that is like, it's going to like, if it does get wet, it becomes very, very heavy. Right. But, it does. Uh,
0: so, <clears throat> go ahead, Jeff. No, have... no, go ahead. A couple okay, so takeaways like takeaways.
1: Yeah, a couple other takeaways just kind of in general watching this guy because uh, guess what I'm about to talk about, Chris? Guess what I'm about to tie this into? Mm, fitness. No. Oh, all right. <laughs> it rhymes with maraining. <laughs> Training. Training, right. So one of the things that I always talk about, um is like and i i forget who told me I'm, it might have actually been blake miguez that that's that's said this term good old blake because he talked about it like um like jerry mikalik like jerry mikalik has aligned a set of sights and pulled a trigger so many times that no matter what you and you or i decide to do we could not start today and pull a trigger as many times as jerry mick has before we die you know no. and there's no substitute for experience is, is is where I was going with that. Like there and I think like I said, I think Blake Miguez is the one that told me that. There's no substitute for experience. Um you need to get out and get experience. And and that's that's another word for training. Um, you know, so this guy, if you watch this video, number one, he's very calm. Um, he 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 knew in advance he's only taking this little blanket full of stuff that really this really handful of stuff that he rolled up in a blanket um but when he gets to where he's going he's very organized he's very methodical he knows exactly what he needs to do in what order because he has that experience because if you know if somebody if somebody were out there like Michael Scott and video this guy the first time he ever went out there and tried this he's probably jumping over there and coming over here and going oh I forgot this thing and oh I need to do this first and oh, and kind of jumping around but he's he now has so much experience that he is calm and organized and methodical and knows exactly how he needs to do everything in what order he can start this thing over here while he does this other thing over there and then the other thing that kind of you just alluded to is the little key pieces of gear that he chose to bring even though it's not a high quantity of items everything was was very well thought out and and shaken out and what I mean okay. is the reason why he brought the things he chose to bring is because he has that experience and he has used those pieces of gear before and he knows that they're going to work. Right. He knows that that wool blanket is going to be able to not catch on fire if he puts hot coals under it. And he knows that uh, that cook pot is going to work. It's the right size. It's going right. to work exactly what he wants it to do because uh, he has that experience. He has shaken out all his gear. And I mean, you've seen it. You you referenced the show alone earlier. Uh, we saw it. Uh, on the earlier seasons of alone primarily but like people um several people on that show alone they brought that i don't know if you're familiar with it, it's called a blast match um it's a it's like a spring-loaded uh fire starter where oh, right. you 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 push the ferro rod into it yep. and it has like a really strong spring and then you press the button and it releases the ferro rod and shoots this blast of right. sparks off the ferro rod, right I think there was like three or four people that tried to bring that thing on alone and it did not work for them. No, it's because they didn't shake their gear out first. They didn't, they didn't try it first. They didn't train with it first. They didn't build experience with it first. Right. And it bit them. Yeah. And so people, people buy this, like, Oh, I saw this other guy on YouTube that used this fire starter. I'm going to, I'm going to take that one, never use it, never practice with it. Now you're in a survival situation. And now either, either you don't know what you're doing or the thing doesn't work the way you thought it was going to. And that's, that's just a small example of, of the importance of just watching this guy. Right. Yeah. Um, everything he had was very well practiced and very well shaken out because he has, he has built that experience. Yeah.
0: Now, now one thing I will say, cause there is another video and I don't actually, I sent you one more and then there was one that I watched. Actually, I watched it this morning. Um, where, Obviously, in that video, he was wearing glasses. So you you talk about he, he remains calm. And at the end of the day, guys, like he, for those that are listening here, it's a video that he's made and he's he's put it through post-production. So there may be points of it where he does um, freak out a second, because this video that I'm about to talk about is he literally got dumped on a by or dumped off a, a, of a train and he went to go do this camp and then hike back to civilization type situation. And he he camped out and then he left and he got however many yards away and he realized he didn't have his glasses on anymore. And then in the video, he stops and he's like, I lost my glasses. I left them there. And he went back to go find them and he didn't have his glasses. He continued on. But what I, what I found interesting about that is, you know, whether – he was as calm as he was when he announced it on video or he freaked out but then he continued on and like he didn't just stop what he was doing and then call for emergency i lost my glasses he adapted and he overcame and and he continued on with his adventure if you will um
1: so just that, a, and that brings up a good point uh, just sorry not uh, no, uh, but ahead. just about decision making like okay i lost my glasses and and Substitute glasses with anything else. I lost my fire starter. I right. lost my cigarette lighter. I lost my—I lost the the last little piece of food that I had. Like, do you waste time looking for it? Do you just immediately write it off? Do you, and and uh, so you know, I think in that example, he he chose the right decision. Make a plan. Invest a little bit of time because you don't know. Maybe you just dropped it four steps ago. Right. Like I've literally had that happen. Yep. Uh or maybe you lost it 4 miles ago and there's no possible way you're ever going to find it. Right. Invest a little bit of time to look. Right. But th- but then, you know, have a contingency plan to continue on or have that training and experience that that'll, you know, where it's not going to matter all that much.
0: Exactly. Um so so going to the to the next piece of this is one of the things that we, you know, we said and and I don't know for, for From the video, it looks like he was only there overnight, so one night. But mind you, one night in—and I don't know what the temperature was there, but one night in sub—we'll just say sub-30 degrees is probably more than most people could even handle. Take the fact that you have no shelter and now cut that amount of people that can handle that in half— um, yep. and the next thing is, well, we talked about it. We alluded to it. One of the good things about that winter camping, I guess, is you don't really need a cooler with ice. You got that all around you. So yep. what he brought with him as far as food was kind of really interesting. So he did bring a big hunkin steak, just a big hunk of meat. Um he only had one pot. He didn't bring a little pan, he he brought one pot. And what he decided to do with the one pot was to what did he make? Beans? He made chili. Yeah. Or yeah, bean okay, he made beans, baked beans, baked beans. He had beans, poured it in the pot. Water, we're going to get to the water in a second. But he he added some uh he had pork pork belly yeah, he had pork mm-hmm. belly, cut that up, threw it in there. He had some like, you know, uh, curry. I don't know. He had some other like uh spices and spices, he had, yeah. Had some tomato paste, and he put it all together, mixed it all together, and literally dropped the pot on the fire with a piece mm-hmm. of like tin foil. That's it. He then took his steak. And we're gonna to get to the next part, which I really like. But he took his steak, literally on the coals. Done.
1: Yep. It's uh, you know I've I've talked before about these things that are like kind of pre programmed pre-programmed into us as Americans, and like this is another one of those things where like we have to have Purell on our hands, and we have to buy this fruit spray to <laughs> wash your fruit and all this stuff. You I mean, <laughs> know, right. you have to wash the banana that you're gonna peel the peel off of anyway. <laughs> right. You know, so yeah. Um, but yeah, like. Eating number one, eating a little bit of charcoal is like arguably good for you, but it definitely is not bad for you. Right? Um, and you know what? It's going to be a little bit gritty when you first bite into it, but it's it's fine. Like, yeah, it's, the, it's not the, poisonous. It's not going to hurt you. Exactly. The other
0: thing that he made with his baked beans was bread. So yep. he obviously he 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 prepared for this right. So he made up dough the night before. So bread dough in a bag yep. in a ziploc bag. And he was literally just taking off chunks of it. And he basically, he, he puts it out there. He's like, you can cook bread one of two ways. He's like, you can make a disc, a flat disc, and put it on the coals and then flip it over. And you got this wheel of bread. Or, like he did, took a hunk of gouda, made a bread ball, and then buried that in the coals. And he pulls it out. The bread is crispy. He cracks it open. He's got melted gouda pouring out of this bread. And he's just dipping it into his baked beans and eating like a champ. And he says, he's like, you know, the the coal the 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 coals, you know, on the bread and on the steak is taste pretty much like flour. Um and then once he started eating the the chili or the baked beans with the bread, he took a piece of string, which is probably the string that he used to tie up his his wool blanket roll with a hook that he made from a from wood a stick and he hung his steak over the fire to finish cooking and then literally he was just cutting away chunks of red meat and eating like a champ for
1: yeah, so Like uh, one of the little survival tricks I learned um, in one of the survival schools I went to is like, if you just do need like a little piece of string like that, just one little piece of string, like you can harvest that out of your socks. You know, you can just oh, yeah. pull one long strand of string out of your sock, especially if you're wearing wool, wool socks. socks. Um, but uh, one thing that I, again, like through my camping experience, through being a, a kid into a stupid teenager that thinks you know everything, but you don't really know anything like into my twenties and into my adulthood. Um, a lot of people that, maybe don't camp very often or um like one of the things like i've gotten into probably over the last 10 or 15 years is is camping uh, camping is uh cooking over a fire like cooking over an open fire um number one this is this goes back to the video video editing like it it takes a while it takes longer than you think to because if you're cooking over a fire you do need to burn wood and basically reduce it down to hot coals right that takes longer than you think um So you need to plan for that. Um, Number two, a lot of people just because they think it doesn't matter. And and I think this speaks to the experience piece is people will like, you know, you you open your cheese, for example, and your cheese is covered in a plastic wrapper. They'll just throw it in the fire. Like if you're going to cook over the fire, do not burn trash in your fire. Like because then I said a minute ago that, you know, cooking over the coals and getting a little bit of it on your food is like not poisonous, not going to hurt you. That's. Not correct if you have burnt your you know burnt plastic or through a beer can or something like that into the fire before you cooked over it. right um, That stuff will transfer into your food and, and can be harmful. So I just wanted to point that out like uh, number one, cooking over hot coals. it's great. takes longer than you think yeah and uh, and don't burn stuff in your fire.
0: Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I, I alluded to back there was when we talked about water. Um, he did not bring water. <clears throat> What he did was melt snow.
1: Yep. Yeah, now, in a winter environment, that's one of the things that's very advantageous. It is very advantageous. But he alludes to, in a number of his videos,
0: the amount of time that it takes to melt snow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's something to think about. Now, mind you, also think about it. He was, he was making all this fire. And he was burning all of this wood and all of that wood and that ash and that stuff was, and he cut all of these trees around his, his area. So, you know, he, he, like when he went and got snow, I mean, it was loaded. And he says it, he was like, you know, there's floaters in it. So he's like, no matter how clean you think the snow is, you're always going to end up with floaters and things that settle down at the bottom. So, you know, he literally pours the top off. And then leaves the the the, the uh, sinkers, if you will, at the bottom of his his uh, his his pot. So, but that's what he does. He takes that. He melts snow and he drinks that water. Um, yeah, and me- so
1: and a couple other things with melting snow. Um, snow is comprised a lot. There's like a lot of air in snow. So you you take this huge piece of snow that you think is going to translate to a lot of water, and uh, once it boils or melts down and all the fluffy air has gone out of it like it takes a lot of snow to make a lot of water oh yeah um there's there's conflicting data about this but like one of the things i was taught in the military and i don't have a ton of of like uh winter snow survival experience but they told us like don't eat you know don't eat snow because it will reduce your core temperature like always melt the snow into water and then drink it um but then like it would from the military perspective um the assumption is that we're always going to be on the move we're always going to be trying to get somewhere or trying to self-rescue or trying to escape from something or whatever um so like one of the things we were taught is just scrape as much snow into your canteen as as will fit and then put it in your shirt and your body heat will warm the canteen which will melt the snow but then that plays back into the fact that like even though your canteen was full of snow is now that doesn't mean your canteen is now going to be full of water right it's going to be like half full of water right
0: right? And the the you know the other thing obviously that he does and this is I think this is probably a little hack that everybody knows but you know he'll he will obviously drink some of that water and he does have uh, not in so much in this video but in other videos uh, he's got a large Nalgene bottle um, that he'll bring with him and he will obviously boil that water water and Mm -hmm. pour that in there and then he's got that water bottle of now boiled water, which is his kind of heat source. And he'll put that in his sleeping bag at night for that extra little bit of warmth. Um, and then, you know, by the time the morning rolls around, that's no longer warm. Um, hopefully it's not (laughs) frozen solid, but, um, it, it, it is something that he does or he uses. So, um, I thought that was pretty, pretty cool.
1: Yeah. And, i i agree and uh i wanted to go back to uh you touched on you know you you described in in detail like the food he brought right and so and you know where we're eventually going in this episode like what are the five things that that we would bring if we were about i was where uh, i was going you You read my mind so (laughs) so with bringing food you know should food be one of those things that you bring and like in this guy's case, he had already pre-planned how long he would plan to be out. He knew how long he was going to be out so he can decide whether or not to bring food, but he gets to decide that on his terms. And so if you're in a survival situation, that's not something that has been decided on your terms. And like when you tie that into the the the, the rule of threes in survival, you know, you can the human body can survive for three weeks without food. But um, I talked about it in the in the go bag episode i always do put some type of like i we call it field stripping an mre it, you know basically yeah. taking the big mre packet and just get rid of all the crap that's in it that you don't need right. and you can field strip it actually down to a quite a small little package um and that's something good to have because if you're in a survival situation one of the main points i wanted to point out is like if you're not very 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 experienced and trained finding food out in the wilderness is very difficult. Uh, like finding water is not so difficult. Like even in arid environments, you can find water usually without too much trouble, but, uh, foraging for food is, is very tricky and is very difficult. Like, I, like you can tell yourself you're going to kill a squirrel or snare a rabbit or whatever, or you're going to eat this plant. But number one, uh, that's that is actually one of the largest holes in my survival slash camping game is I am I'm so bad at plant identification and there's so many plants that look similar and this one will kill you and this one is fine to eat and they look nearly identical. Right. Um, so finding food is very difficult. Number one. Number two. Um, you're not always on your own terms. And number three, like food is a very comforting thing. So even though you technically could go three weeks and survive, your body can survive without food, Right. um, you're going to think more clearly, you're going to calm yourself down a little bit more. uh, If you're with somebody else, I always bring it up. Like if you're with a kid, if you're, if you're trying to survive with your kid, um, it's going to calm them down to have something to eat. Um, so, you know, that, that is something to think about whether, you know, when we, when we about to narrow down the five things that we would bring, if we could only bring five things should a little, you know, in whatever form you choose, a little starter pack of food, should that be one of the things I I would say. So if, if we are doing this with an eye towards survival.
0: Right. So, and and it's like it was like a perfect segue to the topic of the day. So the the question is to you. You are going I'm to, ready. Hit me. You are going to test yourself for two days. Um okay. that's two nights. We'll say we'll say two nights. Okay. Two-night camp. You can only bring five items. You are in a moderate temperature so we'll say between 40 and no we'll yeah 45 and 65 degrees you can bring five items what do those five items look like senior okay well
1: before i answer your question i will s- issue a spoiler alert um spoiler a few years ago when i geez, when i say a few it was probably 5 years ago I planned to make a video for my YouTube channel where I did exactly this thing where I was going to take cuz your your four priorities of survival in order are shelter is your top priority, then water, then fire, then food is is last. So I made a kit that I called my Swift kit. And this is different than a go bag. This is just a small kit. That's it right there. It's not it's not even a backpack. It's just you just shoulder it like a little satchel. But it has all the bare bones essentials that I would need to address shelter water to make a a hasty shelter, be able to purify and drink water, build a fire. And, uh, and then, and, and I actually have a field stripped MRE in it too. So, um, and I went out and I said, I'm going to survive for 24 hours uh, with just this little kit. I didn't do two nights. Uh, I did, I did a full 24 hours. It was basically like from uh, basically noon on day one or like, It was probably a little bit before noon, but I I did go a full 24 hours with nothing but this little kit, and it was fine, and I was going to make a cool video on YouTube, and it just, like, it was either going to be short enough to keep people's attention but not really very (laughs) interesting, or it was going to end up being a two-hour video that nobody would ever watch, and so I I just ended up not – not, and I've always intended to go back and do it again and try to film it in a different way to to make it where I could edit it to be both short and interesting um but but really so that that leads me to my five items and and there's a little bit more than five items in this kit but, but okay. not really a whole lot but um uh number one I would bring a fixed blade knife um I you know I on a daily basis I, like pr- pretty much everywhere all the time I have a really good quality folding knife sure um but if i knew that that this was going to be my goal within the parameters you gave me i would do a good fixed blade knife because a fixed blade knife um, can easily perform like a hatchet you can uh, do what they call batoning where you take like a tree limb and Mm -hmm. you know hit it on the on the back of your knife and and it basically can perform very similar to a hatchet Um, i would carry a metal canteen or you know a metal water container and the one I said I brought visual aids, and this is I'm pulling this out of my Swift kit. But this is a it's a metal canteen with the little canteen cup. Okay. And this one is titanium, and it's made uh, by a a veteran-owned company called Heavy Cover, Incorporated. The website is Heavy Cover Inc. And if I can get it out of here, it even has the little lid. When you pull the sure. When you pull the canteen out of the cup, it yep. has the little lid, because you said, homie in the video, used a little piece of uh, foil, aluminum yeah. foil. Yeah. But uh, has a little tab, so you can either put a stick through there to lift this up if it gets hot. Um, but so anyway, so fixed blade knife of of my choice, and then I would bring, hopefully, a, a and, canteen and, and a canteen and, cup.
0: And just just for, obviously, for those who are just hearing and not seeing, that canteen is dual purpose, Yes. So it's not only to hold water, but you could also boil water, melt snow, yep. cook in it, you know, something like that. So okay, yeah, and it
1: but the 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 main takeaway is like this military style canteen, it is a canteen, but it also does have the little cup or the little pot or or whatever. Right. And then this specific one has the little lid to go with it too. So I, I highly recommend this piece of equipment. It's from Heavy Cover. There you go. You can see the little logo there. There you go. Uh it's a veteran-owned company, so I like them. Uh, so that would be fixed-blade knife, canteen, and then a tarp or a blanket um, in my little Swift kit here that I call it. Um, I do have the. Uh, there's a company called SOL Survive Outdoors Longer, um, and they have a really high-quality um, uh, emergency uh, tarp that they sell. Um, I forget it has some cool little name. Anyway, you can you could look it up. It's the it's made by SOL. Um, a wool blanket, as we already discussed, would be a great choice. Um, so a tarp or a blanket, um, just again for the weight and size consideration, I chose the one from Survive Outdoor Longer because um, it can. You can fashion it into like a pup tent. You can make a lean-to out of it. It can be a blanket. It can be a ground covering. Um, you can use it. It's tough enough where like if you're right. gathering firewood, you can use it to carry firewood. It's, okay. it's multi-use, really good. Um, but that that it addresses the the need of, of making a hasty shelter if you need to. You just need some cordage uh, and some couple of sticks maybe, and you can make a tent or a lean-to out of that. And then going back to the knowledge and experience piece, you need a fire starter that you have experience with and that you know will work. Or I'm sorry, that would be one of my choices. Yes. Um, and keeping in mind things like altitude, where are you? Are you in the Rocky Mountains? Are you in Death Valley? Because uh, above a certain altitude, a regular like butane uh, cigarette lighter won't work anymore. Right. Uh, bu- above a certain altitude, butane is like basically no longer flammable, it becomes inert. Um, so, if you have a cigarette lighter and you just think you're going to use that, Not gonna maybe work. you will, right. but, uh, but you could be in a place where it, it won't work. Um, so, just whatever form that takes, a fire starter that you have uh, experience with, that you know how to use, and that you know will work. And then I said, because you know, if if I'm only going out for two days, um, food's not going to be a great concern for me. So I said, for my fifth thing, um, a saw is if you if you haven't camped with a saw, and I have one in my little kit here, it's a silky saw, s, s like like a shirt silky, uh, s i l k y saw. Um, that's that's probably what he had in the video as well. Um, they have many different ones. Uh, many different sizes, many different configurations, my, but uh I have a version of of the one he had in the video and I have it in this kit right here. Um and uh if you haven't camped with a saw, if you've only camped with like a hatchet or a knife, like buy one of those little limb saws and try it cuz it is a game changer. Yeah, like um could, could I cut things down again like taking my fixed blade knife and using it as a as a as a sort of a makeshift hatchet. Yes, I could. Um, but a saw makes everything so much easier and faster. Um, so especially if you're in a survival situation where time is of the essence and weather's coming in or you're getting cold or it's getting dark or whatever, like having a saw is really going to be a game changer. So I would forego the little, a little nugget of food in favor of the saw. So my fight of items are fixed blade knife, uh, my little canteen with canteen cup, uh, tarp and, uh, Fire starter that I have experience with that I know I can make work, and my fifth thing is a saw.
0: There it is. There it
1: is, folks. Pretty,
0: pretty good uh, selection of of items. Um, I'm 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 kind of right there with you. I, I we should say that you know what, for the next time we'll say that food is not included, right? Because okay, you you could fit some some pieces of food inside that canteen much like he does where he fits the food inside his actual cookware. Um, and so, uh, one of the things I just saw and, and I don't know where I saw this, but, um, and I would love to find out why he chose that style saw. And I can't, what is that? Is that, that's considered a hacksaw? Right,
1: the the, I, I, the I've always called it a limb saw. Lim- but, okay,
0: uh, so the, it, the saw that we're talking about here is basically that frame. So it's like a. You it looks know, like a trapezoid. It, it and looks the like bottom
1: a, exactly the bottom edge of the trapezoid is the is saw Is the blade. saw
0: right? And and you and it folds into like just one straight piece of metal, and then it unfolds and clips together, and you have this now the saw that I went with is actually just like a a limb saw that it looks like a big giant knife that unfolds into. And so it's got a handle and just the blade on top of
1: it. I said, I think the one, I have a version of what he said in the videos is what I said. Um, I just meant, I I would bet money his is the same brand as mine, but Got the it. one I actually have in my kit is what you just is what you,
0: Okay. So one of the other things that I've seen out there is everyone's seen the pocket saw where it's basically like a chainsaw blade with two, you know, like two handles and you put it around a tree and you, you know, go back and forth. Um I've seen a steroid version of that which is a little bit beefier Uh, have not tried it don't know if it if it makes sense i don't know that it does i don't think it can be
1: as versatile as what we're talking about but if for some reason like you were putting together like a a ultra little compact minimalist survival kit i mean why not throw that in there Um, i have used one of those i have one It was given to me so i tried it it does work um it's This is another one of those things where it's harder than it looks. You know, the the guy that made the YouTube video that's trying to sell you the thing, like, of course, in his video, it's going to look super easy. Um, It's harder than it looks. It's harder than you think. It does work. Um, I was going to talk about this in a minute, but, like, I have this uh, little bracelet. and It's a survival bracelet. It's made by a company called Super SA Straps, Um, but it has this uh, Kevlar cord in it. Um, and that works really well and is really easy. The only limitation there is the size of what you're trying to cut through. You can't cut through th- stuff that's really thick, but I have used this, this Kevlar, um, cord and it actually does really well at cutting through smallish things. So if you're in a survival situation and you needed to cut things that were maybe, uh, depends. I guess it depends on if you've got Craig Sawyer your wrists or if you have Jamie Frank's wrists, but, uh, <laughs> like I could probably cut through a, a limb the size of my wrist with, with the Kevlar cord, um, uh, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like the little things that looks like a bicycle chain. Yeah, but. basically.
0: So, um, but uh, yeah, the, those are obviously those are some some good items to bring. But I think the most important thing to take away from all that is, you know, don't just put those items in whatever kind of pack and then go out and experience this for the first time. I mean, mm-hmm. what I what I'm what I'm you know, as, and as we as we get to the end of the episode, we kind of always try and bring it drive that point home. It's like the, you know, it's the end of that GI Joe episode where knowing is half the (laughs) battle. Um, if you're looking to challenge yourself to do a minimalist style camp, do that wrapped up in a regular camp, like go camping with people and then Kind of have a segmented section where you can you're just going to bring these items and shake them out while still having others things uh, to kind of as a backup. Like perfect the minimalist thing before putting the minimalist thing in action would be what right. would be my thought. Uh,
1: and like I had this idea, and I th- I think it would be a good idea, but it would definitely rely on. Um, Audience participation, which, I mean, you know, as you and I've talked about, some right. people just want to buy morale patches and 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 think that they're right. awesome without ever actually having to prove it. But um, the, like these bracelets, there's there's all different ones. I referenced them before. They're called Super SA Straps. It's S-U-P-E-R-E-S-S-E Straps. And there's all different ones. There's a SEER one. Like uh, I'll give you the quick run. Like the, the SEER one, it has like a little handcuff key hidden inside the buckle and it, this one is for like escaping uh if you've been like detained in some way uh I used to wear this this one a lot and uh the guys that I work with uh, or the guys I used to work with like asked me what it was and I told them and so then one day they all decided to jump me and attack me and they handcuffed me and zip tied me to a lifeguard chair uh <laughs> and to see if I could use my bracelet to escape and I did um, I, I actually was able to successfully use the little things that are hidden inside this little survival bracelet, uh, to escape, but he makes a, there's one that's a seer one. There's one that's a search and rescue one. this one, if you actually unravel it, it has like a, a fire starter kit and like all you can look them up, but they, he has all different ones, but they are all these little survival bracelets, but inside the, the actual weave of the bracelet is all these like survival items. And so I had an idea where, you know, where you could, we could. You could get one of these bracelets or whatever, or or you know we could put out a list of five things that we come up with or whatever. And I said like the the rule should be you you can only be wearing like just regular pedestrian clothing, like n- nothing crazy. You're not like stuffing your pockets full of all kinds of extra stuff. Just a, a regular set of pedestrian clothes that you would wear on a normal day. Your five survival items, or like something like one of these bracelets, or like you know like a little. I know, uh, like ITS Tactical, they sell this little survival kit that comes in this little, like plastic, like, uh, like it's basically like a plastic version of a Sucret's box if, okay. or uh, Altoids tin. Altoid sure. Uh, so, regular clothing, some sort of basic minimalist survival kit, and then the other caveat I threw that I thought would be fun is you can take ten dollars and go to the Dollar Tree. And so, with your with your regular set of normal everyday clothing, your whichever little minimalist survival kit you choose. And then you can take $10 and go to the Dollar Tree and you have to survive for uh, 24 hours or 48 hours, whatever we want to do with only what you got for 10 bucks at the Dollar Tree and your little survival kit. And I thought it would be fun to like see the different choices that people would make and and see like what worked and what didn't, of course. But like I said, I, and I mean, maybe that would just be a, a fun video series to do on my own um, and just choose like different things every time. But I thought that'd be really I interesting. I cool. thought, yeah, 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 but.
0: Awesome. Well, there you go. Uh, if you've made it to the end, and we hope that you have, take what Jamie just said and and challenge yourself. Put Try it. Um, and then reach out to us and let us know, how did you fare? How did you make out? Um, I'd be curious to see people's uh, attempts. Uh, obviously, be safe when you do it, please. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that that's pretty awesome, man. I like that. I like that. I'm yeah, gonna... I
1: figure unless you do something really stupid, twenty-four hours isn't really enough time to kill yourself. This is but, true. This is true. But disclaimer, please never just... underestimate the stupidity of people. Though I guess
0: I mean but I guess so. Yeah. Not
1: our listeners, obviously. No, no,
0: but... no, no. But it's just people in general, and and you know, make sure that you don't go overboard and try and prove something that you are uh, that you are not capable of proving. So that's that's all that that's all that we're saying here. But. Um, well, folks, that's it uh, for today's episode. I feel like we we've we've had a, a, a good time going into some of this. If if you do want to check out that guy's YouTube channel, it's Outdoor Boys on YouTube. Um, obviously, you can watch some great videos here. You can learn a lot from what Luke does over there. Um, And if uh, we tag Luke in this and he ends up listening to this podcast or watching this on YouTube and wants to uh, get in on some on some Zert action, please make sure you uh, head over and reach out and let us know. And we would love to have you on the show Um, until then, uh, Jamie. I know that you are heading out on a nice little holiday, so you be safe out there.
1: I am as we referenced before i like the summer went by so fast i i did not have time to take any i haven't like i haven't really taken any sort of time off for vacation since last christmas um so and the summer went by so fast that i didn't realize it so yeah i'm taking my little vacation here in mid-september so awesome well you be
0: safe out there and uh we'll catch up with you next week until then everybody stay safe out there jamie
1: uh, just one last little thing, um, because I like to leave people with stuff to look up. And disclaimer: I have no official uh, affiliation with any of these companies I'm about to tell you about. Um, I just I use their stuff, and I found it to be really good, legitimate gear um, for like for fire starters. Uh, I, like I have, I think I have one of everything they make because I love their stuff. It's Exotac, E X O T A C, Exotac. Exotac. Um, the canteen that I, that I brought out was Heavy Cover Inc. or Heavy Cover Incorporated. They make lots of other things besides the canteen, but the canteen is awesome sauce. Uh, the bracelets, again, were super SA straps. Um, another piece of gear that uh, I don't know the guy personally. I have no affiliation with him, but I, I also own a lot of his stuff. Um, I've been, uh, I've been buying his stuff since he first started it up on Kickstarter and it's firebox stoves. Firebox is all one word firebox stoves. It's these really super compact little camp stoves that are freaking awesome. Um, and that's it. Uh, other than that, get out and, uh, start, start building those reps and build that experience. Remember knowledge is different than experience and there is no substitute for experience according to Blake Miguez. Uh, and uh, other than that, It's easy to be hard. It's hard to be smart. So be smart and get out some training and experience. Awesome. Thanks so much. We'll see you guys soon. Take care.